there's a difference between the king you want and the king you need. The king you want will give you what's in your heart. The king you need will change the very nature of your heart. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. That last line, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. That was Israel's problem. So often, God would reveal himself to them. They would see the power of God working, and then they would forget about his power. They would turn away to idols, or they would look to other nations, other countries, other peoples to see what they were doing. And over and over again, the God of Israel has to remind them who is the true king, who is the true one that would reign. And as we look at this study of prophets and priests and kings, we see this scarlet thread running throughout the Bible from Genesis to Revelation on into our present day, all into eternity, that in spite of circumstances, in spite of people, in spite of desperate and destitute situations, God is making a way for His purposes and plans to be accomplished in this world, and He does so solely through the name of Jesus. And so we recognize that through these roles of prophets, priests, and kings, some of which were interchangeable depending on the situation and depending on the day, God had a unique purpose for each of them. A prophet was one who declared the word of the Lord, even if it wasn't necessarily his desire to do so. You think of Jonah who declares a word of the Lord to the people of Nineveh. He declares the word of the Lord. He's known as a seer in Old Testament prophecy. He sees ahead of what God is going to do. Then you have a priest, one who intercedes on behalf of the people. So you think of Samuel and Eli and others who, on the Day of Atonement, go into the holy place and sacrifice, showing that there will be a true sacrifice one day, and it will not come through an animal. It will only come through the blood of the God-man, Jesus Christ himself. You have a prophet, you have a priest, and then you have a king, one who administers the law and the justice of the Lord. You have good kings, you have bad kings, you have some who act as good kings and bad kings. You think of David and Solomon and others that God bestows on his people. But throughout all of this, we see that human failures and human plans will collapse, but the purposes of the Lord are sure. God says in his word, as I have spoken, so shall it stand. And he's reminding us that in the middle of our own hardship, in the middle of our own difficulty, there is one who has succeeded. There is one who has passed the test. And you can do so too if you will trust in him and his word. 1 Samuel chapter 10, beginning in verse 17, Samuel called the people together to the Lord at Mizpah. And he said to the people of Israel, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And then Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near, and the tribe of Benjamin was taken by Lot. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clans, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot. And Saul the son of Kish was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, Is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage." 
Then they ran and took him from there. And when he stood among the people, he was taller than any of the people from his shoulders upward. And Samuel said to all the people, Do you see him whom the Lord has chosen? There is none like him among all the people. And all the people shouted, Long live the king. I don't know about you, but I lament the lack of classical education, the lack of humanities that is occurring in many of our school systems and even many of our colleges and universities today. I think there is something to be said for history and literature and narratives and poetry that a generation is if we're not careful, going to completely miss out on tales of caution, tales of morality, with biblical motifs and themes tied therein. One of those, perhaps you've heard it, is the story of a king by the name of Midas. King Midas was granted one wish that he could have that one person would be able to grant. Whatever it was, he would grant it in perpetuity. And King Midas, more than anything else, wanted to be the richest man who ever lived. He wanted whatever he touched to have value, to have worth, but more than that, to be valuable to him so that he could indulge it in his own lifestyle and his own riches. And so the request was this, whatever I have, turn it to gold. And the request was granted, his hand was turned to gold, and whatever he touched would turn into that. So maybe you've taken in years past, you've seen the commercials, or you've, you've taken your vehicle to, to Midas Brakes. What do they always say? That's the Midas touch. Well, the reason is whatever they touch is fixed. It turns valuable. It turns to gold, or at least that's their slogan. And so King Midas would do that. They would bring him vessels of pottery, vessels of clay. He would touch it, turn to gold. They would bring him worthless coins that would become worthy of most of anything in his house. Everything that he had turned to gold. Until one day, his daughter, who had been away, ran up to him, Father, seeking to embrace him, and as he embraced her, he reached out with his hand and touched her. And she, too, turned into gold. He had been so focused on what he wanted that he didn't consider what the consequences would be. What happens when you get what you want, and it absolutely ruins your life? Somebody said the heart wants what it wants. And what they won't do is flip the other side of that coin, which says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. And there is a big difference in the scripture between what you think you want and what you actually need. There's a whole genre of market shares out there right now advertising how you can get what you most want out of life. But is that really where you want to end up? Irving Kristall put it this way, being frustrated is disagreeable. But the real disasters of life begin when you get what you want. And a generation of musicians, a generation ago, saying you can't always get what you want, but when you do, you may not like the result. Eli, the priest, has died after the Philistines have captured the ark. His sons haven't followed the Lord. 
And frankly, there's no one to pass it off to other than Samuel. The Philistines come in as a ferocious seafaring people who the Israelites were scared of. There's a reason later on why nobody goes out and fights Goliath. It isn't just because he's a giant. It's because he's a giant Philistine. And Israelites don't fare well with Philistines. They capture the ark of God, which is the, the holy place where the Spirit of the Lord dwells through much of the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel 4, 21 through 22, the Bible describes to us what happens to Eli's daughter in the midst of all of that sorrow and suffering from Israel. She has a daughter and names the child, has a son rather, his daughter-in-law, and has a child, names him Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel because the ark of God has been captured and because of her father-in-law, Eli, and her husband. And she said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. You think of Washington Irving's character in A Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod, the glory has departed, the glory of the Lord leaving the holy place, not by the songs you do sing or don't sing, but by the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And that is always the question of worship, whether you're Israel or the church, the condition of your heart will always determine your response. Well, the Philistines soon discover that they can't handle the ark of God. Dagon, their false god, their idol, has his hands and his arms cut off. Tumors start resulting among the people. And finally, they just give the ark back. They, they move it, and then they can't hold on to it anymore. So they give it back, and they return it with an offering. And when this happens, Samuel, who's serving as the de facto judge... The one who hears from the Lord on behalf of Israel looks around at the mess that Israel is in because they've forsaken their God and turned to other gods because they've forsaken the one true king and turns to other kings. He looks at them in 1 Samuel 7, 3, and he says, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Asherah from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you. So he tells them, return with all your heart. Put away the false gods. Direct your heart to the Lord. And serve him only. And when he gets done saying that, he calls the stone of help Ebenezer. Anybody who wonders, come thou fount of every blessing which we just sang here, I raise mine Ebenezer. What in the world is he talking about? He's not talking about Charles Dickens' character. He's talking about the stone of help that Samuel raised before the Lord. Samuel's own sons didn't walk in his ways. And the people, rather than seeking to look to the Lord who had been their king, rather than governing within the theocracy where God himself would rule. They, they looked around, they saw their circumstances, they looked to other people, and they answered to Samuel what they most want. They said, give us a king. But God would respond, I am your king. And the internal response from Israel is, we want our own king. This really bothers Samuel. And in 1 Samuel 8 and verse 7, the Lord says to him, Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. 
Samuel, don't take it personally. What they're doing to you, they've done to me. It's as if all of Israel gathered together one day, looked up at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they said, it's okay, God. We've got this. Let us do our own thing. So God says to Samuel, obey their voice, but show them the ways of the king who will reign over them. You know what happens? Sometimes God will give us what we want, even when it's not what we need. Sometimes the most dangerous prayers you can pray are not, thy will be done, but my will be done. Where you say, God, I want what I want, regardless of what you want. Because deep inside, if you're honest with yourself, you think and you fear that the future life you want is better than the one God has for you. You think that you can create a better life than the one who created you. You say, I am the captain of my ship. I am master of my fate. And so God says, along with Burger King and everyone else in advertisements, have it your way. And leaves you to your own devices. But can I just tell you something? When you start walking down that road, the only place it goes is to hell. Because rather than worshiping the God who redeems your life from destruction, you're in the middle of that destruction. And so you say, Lord, make me rich. And you fall in love with money. You say, Lord, give me a pretty wife, and she's pretty, but she ain't godly. You say, Lord, give me a handsome husband, and he's good looking, but he don't love Jesus. Lord, give me a bigger or better church, where the one you belong to may be exactly where God has you to grow the most. Lord, take away my suffering, and yet that suffering may be the only way to lead you to unending joy. Because you think... That what you want is better than what God wants for you. We do this with political leaders on both sides of the aisle. We get so fixated on the issues according to our party rather than to the Bible. This person will fix all our issues. They can do no right. This person will mess up all our issues. They can do no wrong or vice versa. We say to this person, maybe Israel looked around and they said, this guy won't even have to deal with Congress. He won't even have to fool with the Supreme Court. And they say, Lord, give us a king. And you better be careful when you pray more for what you want than for what you need. Because you might not like the result. And I don't know about you, but I thank God that there are times in my life when He refuses to answer my prayers. Because I would not like where I'd end up. Listen, You may be in the middle of a mess today, but if it's God's mess, don't be in a hurry to clean it up. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he said, come, let us go to the seer. For today's prophet is formerly called a seer. And so they asked that question in 1 Samuel 9, 9 of Samuel, is the seer here? In verse 15 of chapter 9, now the day before Saul, the king whom Samuel selected on behalf of the Lord because of the people, 
Saul came, the Lord had revealed to Samuel, Tomorrow about this time I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him to be prince over my people Israel. He shall save my people from the hand of the Philistines, for I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. Saul answers out of all that in verse 21, Am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? And is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? Now Saul seems to be an ideal candidate for the kingship. He's humble. He's a foot taller than everybody else. He's young. He's rich. He's good looking. You know, we often have a negative view of Saul because of how his life ended. But maybe it wasn't always this way. Maybe it was. And he stopped in his tracks, verse 27, he hears the word from the Lord, Stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. And Saul is given the gift of prophecy from the Lord. He says, You will prophesy before them and be turned into another man. And the Spirit of God rushes upon him and he prophesies among them. And I want you to see something. God anointed Saul. Even when the people were disobedient in their request. The people of Israel are experiencing the consequences of their foolish choice, but God is working through it. And so you say, well, all of these circumstances, this isn't the right person in my life. These aren't the right things. Maybe it's because of the choices you've made. Maybe it doesn't have anything to do with the choices that you've made. But if you are following the Lord, maybe God is using them to make you into a person more like Jesus. Maybe he is accomplishing his purposes in spite of yourself. When Saul turns back to leave Samuel in chapter 10, verse 9, God gives him another heart. And in verse 18 and 19, which we read a few moments ago, he says to the people of Israel, Samuel, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, set a king over us. And all the people shouted, it's like a Lord of the Rings saying, long live the king. But there's another king. One who is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And if you were to see his face, you wouldn't think that he was handsome. You wouldn't think that he had his life together. You wouldn't think that he was good looking. Because there's a crown of thorns on his brow, there's a spear in his side, there's holes in his hands. Because there is a difference between the king you want and the king you need. The king you want will give you what's in your heart. The king you need will change the very nature of your heart. The king you want will give you the things of earth, but the king that you need will give you the things of eternity. And God himself turns Israel over to its own fate and yet at the same time intervenes on Israel's behalf. Who's king in your life? Maybe you just think, well, there's a place for God and there's a place for church, but I've got my own thing I've got to do too. So you spend all your waking hours working at your vocation, going after your hobbies, living for your kids, that you never find the true purpose for which you were made, which is God working in all of that so that you would be used for His glory. 
Because you got another idea of who a king is. And when you come in church and the first thing that you want is power, you're not submitting to King Jesus. When you won't let other people speak into your lives, even if those words are hurtful to you, you got a king. You're just sitting on your own throne. And when you begin to have the thought in your mind that what you want for yourself is better than what God wants for you, just know this, that thought does not come from the throne of heaven. It only comes from the pit of hell. And it will lead you there. And so what Samuel says to Israel, the Lord says to us today, 1 Samuel 7, 3, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Ashtaroth from among you and direct your heart to the Lord and serve Him only, and He will deliver you. Four things God calls us to do to show who's the true king. One, return with all your heart. Brothers and sisters, if you're here today and you're going through the motions, you are not doing God's will. If you're here today and you're just going through things half-heartedly, God says, I don't want somebody who's lukewarm. Be all in or be all out, but don't be half in, don't be half out. Return with everything you have. And maybe the reason you're not returning with your whole heart is because of the second thing, you haven't put away the false gods. There's an idolatry that says you need to have everything that you want rather than what you need. There's a world out there that says have all this stuff plus Jesus. Jesus says, I just want you, and I want to be first in your life. Put away false gods. Number three, direct your heart to the Lord. Why are we so enthusiastic? Why are we so overcome by the notion or maybe the very existence of a romantic relationship, how that just drives us, how that just fuels us, and yet when it comes to the relationship of the one for whom we were created, it does nothing for us. Man, we got it backwards. Direct your heart to the Lord. And then number four, serve Him only. Everyone is serving some master. Just make sure your master is the true one. And this is what the Bible will say over and over again. So the prophets of Israel when something would take place that really bothered them, they would rend their outer garment, their outer cloak. They would tear it in two. It was a sign that they were in mourning. They would put ashes on top of their head. So grieved were they. And God honored that. But there's a part in Joel where the prophet looks at them. He hears a word from the Lord. And God says to him, rend your heart and not your garments. Sacrifices and offerings are not ultimately what God despises, but what he likes, but a broken and contrite spirit. A heart that says, God, not my will, but thine be done. And so if you don't get your way with your parents, and if you don't get your way in school, and if you don't get your way at job in your neighborhood, even, God forbid, if you don't get your way in church, remember that the one you're ultimately serving is not yourself, but the Lord. He is the true king. And he hasn't given us what we want. He's given us what we need. And he says, if you'll change the desires of your heart, he'll give you what you most desire, which is the gift of himself. I'm going to ask that we would bow our heads this morning. 
Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at veryefields.com.